Welcome, Pioneers. We are in Season 3, Through the Eyes of Men, Fatherhood. And I have just been so blessed to sit under all this wisdom and to kind of take a step back from all of the negative connotation we see from fathers and to get to hear fathers who are actually doing their job and who actually care and who are actually there. And on here today, I was able to meet him at church and he was talking about an organization that I know he'll talk about in a little bit. And after hearing him, I'm like, I, I, need, I need him on here. <laughs> so today we have on here, James. Woo! <laughs> so James, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is James Grout, and um, I live in Vancouver, Washington. And I grew up in Calgary, uh, Western Canada. Uh, lived uh, in Chicago for 20 years, Chicago area for 20 years, and Colorado for a few years. And now I'm up here. Um, I'm currently working for an organization called One Child. And uh, we do global child development with children living in extreme poverty around the world. But my career up until I started with One Child about six years ago, my career was youth ministry. So I was a full-time youth pastor and a youth ministry church consultant for about 20, almost 25 years. Um, and so a lot of my experience my experiences have been church-related experiences. I grew up in the church as well because my father was a pastor. So I've um, been surrounded by, uh, by church life and um, people of faith for my entire life. And now I'm working for this organization that is a Christian organization. Uh, what we do around the world is, um, is child development and that yeah. kind of stuff, but we do it in the name of Jesus. We uh, do it mm -hmm. because um, because God's heart is for children, and God's heart is for the the outcast and the downtrodden and those who are uh, ignored and and uh, taken for granted. So we we really uh, try and do what we can to reach out to those the, what we call the kids who live in hard places. Yeah, that is so good. All right. First question. What okay. is fatherhood? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and there's so many answers to it. Um, so I would say fatherhood involves being a model uh, for your children, being a nurturer. Uh, it involves being a provider. It involves being a protector and a defender. Uh, it involves being a listener. Uh, mm. it, it involves being a disciplinarian sometimes. Um, yeah. It involves, yeah, it, it's all of those things. And and I think sometimes fatherhood gets sort of, um, I don't know. I think it. I think we think fatherhood is one thing, and it can't be other things. But it, it can be. All, it can be all of those things that I just listed. What are some generalizations about fatherhood that need to be shut down? Well, if you watch TV, like every commercial <laughs> ever that has a family in it, the father's the idiot in the commercial. Right? <laughs> father's always dumb and doesn't know what's going on. And the mother has got everything organized and everything's everything is brought together as soon as she comes on the scene. Mm -hmm. So I'm not personally that offended by that because it's funny and it's a stereotype and there's always some truth in stereotypes. But uh, but I think it's not true. Um, it's yeah. not general. It's not always true that the father doesn't know what's going on with his kids, that the mother takes uh, the responsibility for everything related to the children and, and the father's just standing around, uh, you know, whatever, yeah. just just working and not you know, really contributing uh, to the to the family dynamic. So I think that's that's got to go. Um, and I, I think. Uh, I think that fathers are not nurturing. I think that's that's not true. Mm. Um, I think sometimes men are sort of seen as the disciplinarians in a role uh, yeah. in the role of family, and um, but not necessarily the nurturers. And that's uh, that's just not true. At least not in my experience. Yeah, is fatherhood challenging, and why? It is challenging. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm a 
I'm a father of two. I have two daughters. Uh, I probably should have said that in the introduction, but I have two daughters and they are, they're adults now. One uh, is 18 and the other one is 20. And um, they're both out of high school now. So, so being a father is difficult in some ways at every single stage of fatherhood, I think. And I don't know what the stages are that are coming, like uh, the day they both move out um, or that they're both gone. Like what kind of, what role do I play as a father then? But I think the difficult things as a father when I was younger um, had a lot to do with the fact that I did, I did work a lot. Um, I was, so finding time to be with my children, finding time to, um, to really intentionally spend um, not just quality time, but quantity time with my mm-hmm. girls, I think was really important. And that was a struggle just because I was, I was, you know, I had a full-time job that was more than full-time youth ministry doesn't stop at five o'clock. Mm-hmm. You don't punch a clock and <laughs> check out. So, uh, and weekends were always busy. That's another thing that I think some fathers have the luxury of having weekends free with their family and when you're in full-time church ministry you do not have the weekends free in fact that's often the busiest uh time of your week so um so that's difficult and and also just raising young women now that's that's different too that's difficult at times it's a um it's a different kind of parenting when my when my brother my brother has two sons who are about the same age as my two daughters and when they were all younger i remember seeing how crazy and wild his sons were just like when they were little (laughs) boys and just like all over the place and wrestling and all that and i was like oh man i'm so glad i have girls (laughs) and now and now they're like in their late teens and i'm like wow girls are difficult <laughs> late teens <laughs> i wish i had those boys right now because they're, they're pretty simple uh, so yeah just the difference between raising little girls and raising grown girls is uh, is a challenge but i love it yeah. i love all of it uh, so every bit of it is your father in your life and how has that affected your fatherhood yeah he is in my life um my parents were older when they had me i'm the youngest of five so I think they were late thirties when they had me. So my parents are now uh, like they're, they're old, they're old people. (laughs) They're 92. Uh, They'll both be 92 this year and they're still married and they still live together. They're in assisted living place in Colorado Springs. Um, And my dad's still in my life. And uh, he has always played an important role in my life. He was definitely a model for me of, of faithfulness um Mm. all the way along and uh certainly faithfulness to his to his marriage and to his family and to his um job and and definitely to his god Mm. and his primary role in my life now is he prays for me uh and my girls every single day and everyone in my family prays for all of his kids and all of his grandkids and all of his great grandkids uh they pray for us every single day and i um I dread the day that they're not there to pray for us because I don't know who will step in and fill in that gap. So they, uh, I, and my dad's always had a good um, influence on me, always been a good, like I said, model for me. Yeah, so good. Was being a dad your plan or was it God's? I think it's always a little bit God's plan, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So my two daughters are in, in their own way are sort of miracle babies. Um, my oldest daughter, Kamaria is, um, is adopted because my wife, uh, my wife at that time and I, we, we couldn't get pregnant. Nobody really, doctors weren't really sure why, but, but we just decided that if we couldn't, then we would, then we would adopt. And we'd always sort of each of us individually, even before we knew each other and before we were married, individually thought that adoption would be a good option for us. One day we both had very close mm-hmm. friends who were adopted and, and just, just were open to it. Mm-hmm. So um, we adopted this little girl from the South side of Chicago. Yeah. And uh, she's amazing. Yeah. And we weren't very far into being parents when uh, my wife at the time said, I think, 
I think I might be pregnant. And so we, she went and got checked out and the doctor said, yeah, you're very pregnant, which I thought, (laughs) are are there degrees of pregnancy? Like (laughs) either you're pregnant or you're not, you're not like very pregnant, but she was already several months along. So uh, Layla is our second daughter and she, uh, she was born just about 17 months after uh, Kamaria. So they're 17 months apart and she was unexpected and Kamaria was sort of a miracle uh, adoption story as well. So it's so good. Have you and your spouse ever had to deal with a miscarriage or stillbirth and how did you get through that? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm no longer married. So about Mm -hmm. six years ago, uh, the girl's mother, um, decided that she was done with uh, our marriage and she moved along and I don't need to tell that story. Um, It's, you know, there's two sides to every story, but the, the main part of the story is just that she was, she was no longer um, wanting to be in this marriage and, and now doesn't even live near us. So, um, but at the time that we were married, uh, I, I, I don't, it was uh, interesting. I think there were a couple of miscarriages, but yeah. we didn't talk about it. Um, mm. She she did not want to talk about it or um, didn't feel it was necessary to talk about it. Didn't seem to be a struggle for her emotionally or in any way. So um, so I I just we didn't. There was no. I know my like my mother had a miscarriage yeah. at one point, and I know that was that was pretty traumatic for her. Um, in you know in some ways um, but in other ways she came from a different era where you know it was you just didn't talk about it (laughs) you just Mm -hmm. you just kind of just went on with your life so um but anyway she so i yeah we did i think there probably were a couple of children uh but that were miscarried but we it was never really talked about or dealt with yeah Mm. do you have a good slash close relationship with your kids I do. Yeah. I mean, I spend a lot of, I'm, I'm their full-time parent, so yeah. <laughs> it's just me and them yeah. <laughs> uh, and the dog. So um, yeah, yeah, I do have a good relationship with them. This, like I said, the transition from adolescence into adulthood, which is kind of yeah. where they're, you know, they're sort of in that mid adolescence, early yeah. adulthood stage. That's a, that's a difficult one where you, the way you relate to your children changes. It's not yeah. the same. And uh, so that's where we are right now is just how do I relate to them as adults? How do I release them to, oh, yeah. you know, to, like, for example, um, this past week, uh, I taught them both how to do their taxes, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, it's so a cool. lot, it's a lot easier nowadays than it was when, when I was learning how to do taxes, yeah. but that's, that's a part of, uh, of my role. And, um, and it was fun. I enjoyed that. So I really like them both a lot and they, uh, I, I like them. I love them, but, um, but I also like them. So. Mm. What do your kids do that soften your heart? Oh, well, well, one of the things that they do right now is they, they, they want me to find someone else. They want me, like they want someone in my life. And so they talk about that a lot. <laughs> and that always makes me feel like, Oh, they care. They care about me. It may just be they're trying to get me, you know, like out of their lives. So <laughs> like, like, dad, you need somebody in your life. You're driving us crazy. Um, but no, that may, I think that's sweet that they, that they would care enough to yeah. want me to, to have someone else in my life. How do you deal with disobedience physically and emotionally? Um, well, uh, there's, I don't do anything with disobedience, um, physically, uh, any longer <laughs> when they yeah. were younger, there were, you know, there were little, uh, things that we did to take away privileges and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I think it's, again, it's just now as a father at this stage, it's, it's almost like almost everything that they do if it's if it involves disobedience or just you know whatever just sort of a normal human rebellion i i'm i'm at the point now where it's like these these are you're that's a lesson you're gonna have to learn on your own like i can't i can't take away privileges i can't punish you i can't do anything anymore 
you, you just are going to have to learn from that. And that's actually, that's actually a little bit harder as a father. Yeah. It'd be easier for me to um, say, well, here's the consequences of your actions, <laughs> rather than to say, wait till you find out what the consequences of those actions are. So, but, but that's, that's the job of a parent is, um, yeah. well, I, I always say it this way. The full-time job of an adolescent is to is to figure out who they are independent of their parents. That's what they're doing all the time. Every every decision they make, every every path that they choose, every uh, everything is just trying to figure out like who am I? What's my identity? And and specifically, what's my identity apart from the identity that my parents give me or place on me or whatever it is. And that, if that's true, which I think it is, then that means the parent's job is to be continually releasing them to discover more and more of who they are. You don't just throw, throw them out there and <laughs> let them figure it out on their own, but you do have to uh, allow them to like, you know, when, when one of them, either of them does something that I know is going to hurt them, they're going to, it's going to hurt themselves mm -hmm. they are going to hurt themselves that that's one of the hardest things for me to because i wanted to step in and go you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to do that yeah. this way there's another way but they do have to i had to we all do like at some point we all have to learn um how to manage life without someone else rescuing us all the time mm, so good what are you trying to instill in your daughters Hmm. Honesty is a big thing. That's something I got from my dad. Um, uh, independence. I want them to be strong and independent women. I don't ever want my girls to um, feel like they can't make it in this world unless they have a man. I want them to have. I want them to have men. I want them to be married and have husbands and all of that and fall in love. Like fall in love so deeply that they could be completely mm -hmm. wounded by it like that's you know okay. it, if you protect your heart too much you'll never really know what love is i think like you have to be all in and and being all in means the chance to you know what happened to me like just to have yeah. my heart completely broken yeah. and the woman that i you know the woman that i loved more than anyone else uh, on this planet uh, broke my heart and i want them to fall that deeply in love i hope they never have a broken heart like that but i want it to be possible right yeah um so and and i also want i want them to be adventurous like i really would love yeah. for them to uh travel i would love for them to expand um their experiences the kinds of things that they experience and all of that so okay and they're yeah. and they're both uh they're both they're both expanding right now, like just yeah. trying new stuff out and trying to figure out uh, what they love, trying to figure out what their pathway in life is going to be. So it's kind of yeah. a cool time. It's exciting. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. What are some unspoken promises, principles, characteristics, etc. that you want them to grasp just by watching you? Yeah, um, man, uh, like loyalty faithfulness um i want to be i don't want to be a volatile person like mm. i want them to see someone who is steady um never gets too angry and never gets too uh whatever disconnected um uh i want them to yeah like i said earlier i just a couple seconds ago i i really want them to understand that that marriage is good yeah. um and so i tell them all the time like i want them to catch that but it's hard when you know when you've gone through a divorce it's hard to yeah. it's hard to mm -hmm. say look at look at this great marriage and then model yourself after that but i want them to believe in marriage i want them to believe because i do um i really do so yeah. i want them to believe in that too and um i hope they catch that from me that i highly value 
commitment, uh, faithfulness, and yeah. and the the contract of marriage. I really believe in it. How do you incorporate your walk with Christ into your parenting? So I would I would describe my walk with Christ as uh, one of communion, and that's what I want to teach my daughters is that my relationship is not just my relationship with God is not just trying to do things for Him, um, which is easy for people in ministry like me. It's easy yeah. to go, okay, I'm doing this for God. I don't want to do I don't want to do things for God. I want to do things with God, and uh, I want them to see that in the way I live. So, you know, is church attendance important? Yeah, it's important, but that does not define your relationship with God. It doesn't mm -hmm. define your faith. So if that's all they see is just church attendance, that's that's in, that's insufficient. It's not bad. It's just insufficient. It's not enough. Um, and, and I want them to catch that I truly love and trust God. I really... Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I think I have, I don't know what the gift of faith is, but I think I have it. <laughs> and, and I feel like I, if, if they can sense that and know that about me, um, that they would receive, uh, as well. So good. How do you balance work, ministry, kids, and your own personal walk with God? Yeah, well, again, I'll start with the last part of that. My personal walk with God, that I, again, I describe that as communion. So I feel like that the balance for me is, um, is my, is my day-to-day -day life, no matter what I'm doing. As I, you know, I work from home when I'm here, but I travel a lot. So yeah. routines, uh, routines like a specific time of day when I'm going to, you know, have, have a, devotion time or something like yeah. that with God is it's really difficult for me um, and has been for you know quite a few years just because of the travel yeah um, but I'm but I'm not worried about that because um, because that's not I'm not counting on that moment every day yeah. in order to set me uh, set me right in my relationship with God um, or just set me in tune with God I'm trying to live um, this life in communion with God at all times so um that's how i would answer that when it comes to travel and being a dad that's that's one of the most difficult things is i feel like sometimes when i'm not here there's just a disconnection you know yeah. they're doing their thing you know they both have jobs and they have cars and they have friends so uh it's not like i'm worried that they're sitting around doing nothing um yeah. or that they're you know getting in trouble or anything like that it's just that I just feel like it's hard to stay connected when I'm gone. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes it's hard when, even when I'm home and I'm home a lot. Um, yeah. When I'm, I mean, I'm in the house a lot when I'm home, when I'm not traveling because my office is here as well. So um, that's, that's sometimes hard too. having, having your office in your home and trying to be present yeah. for your children is difficult, Ooh, but I have the advantage of living on the West Coast and um, where everybody that I work with, they shut down at like three, four or five o'clock, yeah. um, usually to even two, three, four or five. And, that, and they're done. And, and that means that my workday usually ends at around four, uh, yeah. which is great. Starts earlier, but it's great that it ends at around four. So I can be more available in the evenings for them. What challenges do you have as a head of house and how do you overcome them? <laughs> yeah, well, head of house um, and um, there's just a lot of things that I do that even as I do them, I think to myself, this, this isn't meant to be done alone. Parenting is one of them, yeah. right? Parenting these girls, yeah. it's not meant to be done alone. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm doing like, I'm kind of looking after all the cars, which is maybe you know, that we own, like maybe that's a, yeah. that's sort of a traditional man's role, but I'm also <laughs> the main cook in the house. I, I'm the one who cleans the house. Um, you know, I, uh, there's just, there's just a lot of things that um, it feels like there are moments where it feels like it's all on me. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, and they're, they're growing up. So they're taking responsibility for a lot of things on their own. Mm -hmm. 
but um, but there are moments where it feels the the weight of being the head of this house uh, yeah. is is a pretty heavy one. But it's never overwhelming. It's never it's never too much. It's just a yeah. lot. Yeah. What falls through the cracks because of whatever is happening on a daily basis? What area are you? Yeah, well, I think uh, it would be interesting to ask my girls that question <laughs> and see what they would answer. Um, <clears throat> because I think it's it's probably in the areas of just um, sitting and listening and being available mm -hmm. to them. And I have to find the times when when they want to talk. That's, yeah. that's a big part of our job as parents is when do your kids want to talk? Yeah. Because if I just, if I just, you know, grill them with questions, uh, that's probably not going to, that's probably not going to help very much with our communication. It's when they are ready to talk, I need to be available and ready for that. Mm -hmm. So one of them loves to talk while she's cooking. So if she's in the kitchen making something, I, I do my that's best to be in the kitchen mm -hmm. because I know she's going to talk. Um, and another is going to be more talkative when we're in the car, when we're on a drive somewhere. Mm -hmm. So trying to trying to get in the car and go somewhere with her is always helpful to to do that. So, um, yeah, I, I think that being being available like that is missing. And then I, it just again with the, with the travel not being here, there's just been yeah. moments where I've missed some pretty important things. And yeah. Um, I'm trying really hard not to do that anymore. So my younger daughter, I missed her first four birthdays uh, because I had a trip uh, that I did, a mission trip that I did to Europe every year yeah. on the same week. It was always the same week and that was always the week of her birthday. So I was, I was yeah. absent for the first four birthdays. And then I, at some point I was like, okay, well, she's old enough now to know I'm not here for her birthday. So yeah. I need to make some big changes. Yeah. And and I did. I made some big changes with that trip, and and it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. And then that's sort of been a pattern for me ever since: is how do I how do I do my mm -hmm. job, which involves a lot of travel? How do I do that without missing the really big important so days? Good. Yeah. Do you find yourself overcompensating in any way for any reason? Yeah. I, I overcompensate. I, I feel like I'm overcompensating for the fact that they don't have a mother who lives here. They have a mother. Mm -hmm. She's engaged in their lives, but mm -hmm. she doesn't live here. And so I feel like um, I feel like that's something I'm trying to do. And yeah, and that's hard. You know, there are certain things that, especially with girls, that they they should be talking to their mom about this or yeah. walking through this with their mom or not their dad. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like, uh, I feel like I don't have a choice, but to overcompensate in some of yeah. those areas. Um, but I'm up for it. I, that's fine with me too. Like that. Uh, I love it. I, if, yeah. if they can entrust me with things that girls would normally entrust only with their mothers, then yeah. I'm, I'm game. I'll play. I'll play along. I'm on board for that. So any any way that anything I can do to help nurture them in their yeah. lives. And you want to know? It's kind of um, the opposite for me because um, my mom was a single mom, and like just like mm. your girls, like my my dad's engaged, but we spent most of our time with our mom. So right. for me, it was kind of the same thing when it came to like guys or anything that I would supposed supposed to go to my dad about. I would always go to my mom, and it's like. Now being older, I we both like laugh at it. And it's like, yeah. why did I never ask my dad? It was like, because he wasn't physically there. Not that he wasn't engaged, but he wasn't physically there. And I was like, right. oh, yeah, that's right. weird. Which makes, it, which makes a difference. It, it doesn't yeah. mean it's impossible to go to them. It's just not as, yeah. it's just not as, it's not right there. It's not as easy. Yeah, exactly. What do you do on the days you want to quit? <laughs> persevere. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a quitter. So that's, that's a big part of it. Um, but those days happen. I mean, there are days where it's like, um, yeah, I mean, there's days where it's just, it's, it's not because it's hard. It's usually because it hurts. Like sometimes it hurts to be a dad, right? So it hurts to watch your kids struggle. It hurts to watch them be hurt by someone. Um, and so, yeah, that's the, those are the, those are the rough days. Um, but, but I, you know, I won't ever quit. So I just, it's not in me. It's not in my nature. Yeah. Who has helped support you through your journey as a father? Other, 
other older guys and even some who are younger than me who um who i look at like my i have three older brothers and i've watched all Mm of them um be husbands and fathers um my own father obviously um was a huge influence on me um and then i have some really good friends uh one who i know prays for me and my girls every monday morning uh, he mm-hmm. prays for me and then checks in with me and just having someone like him, um, who, um, you know, he's raising kids just about the same age as, as yeah. mine, a little bit, a little bit younger, but just having someone like him kind of walking through the same stuff at the same time, that's super helpful for me. So I've got, I've got people, uh, I mm-hmm. definitely have people that I can, that I can look to and talk to. Yeah. Is a spiritual father as important as a biological or at-home father? Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a tricky question. I, I would say it depends on what you mean by important. Um, if you mean influential, um, I believe, this is my own philosophy, um, yeah. and others, others share this philosophy, but I believe that our biological parents are the most formative people we will ever have in our lives, oh, yeah. for better exactly. or for worse. Um, in one way or another, they will shape us. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, and that would be true of adoptive parents as well, I think. So, um, so I would say as far as in importance, when it comes to how we will learn about parenting and how we will learn about life, I think that biological or at home father uh, and mother, they're going to be the most influential. They might not yeah. be the best, <laughs> the best influence, but they will be the most influential. And and then and so therefore, I think a spiritual father stepping in to fill in gaps mm. of of an at home father um, yeah, so is probably that's probably an important role. That is a very important mm. role as well. And I've had some. I've had some spiritual fathers in my life who, mm-hmm. who played that role um, in my for me as well. Mm, that's so good. I never, I never thought about it like that. Mm. Well, it's a great what question. You- I mean, really, I mean, it, it. When you think about it, we all, all of us have a father, um, yeah. and then all of us have people who are not our father who mm-hmm. f- who play some role in helping yeah. us establish that's sort true. of what what a good father is and what a good man is and what a trustworthy, you know, a model mm-hmm. that we should follow after. So mm-hmm. it, it happens in both, um, but, but all of us have, have to experience both of those, I think, in some way. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. What do you wish you were told about fatherhood beforehand? I think, um, hmm. I thought I had a good answer for this one, but now I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to decide whether or not it's a good answer. <laughs> um, I think just how I, I love it. I mean, I love it so much. Here, here's one of the things I, I used to think about being a father um, when I was younger. And even when I was mm-hmm. first married, we, we didn't have children for the first 10 years of our marriage. So I always thought about being a father. But in my mind, I thought about being a father to boys. I don't know why no one said no one said you had to think that way <laughs> and i didn't know that i whether or not i would have boys but in my mind i was always thinking this is you know if i had sons this is what i would do and then i didn't have sons i had daughters two of them yeah. and um so i feel like in a way I, I i don't know i feel like i wish i would have been prepared I wish someone had talked to me maybe more about how to be a dad to girls um, mm-hmm. just in case that happens i don't know if that's yeah. something like, is that what you do? Like, do you tell, <laughs> teach somebody how to be a dad to girls and then they have boys or whatever? So, <laughs> but, but I, but I, I'm so glad 
the yeah. girls. I'm so thankful and I love them and I've loved being their dad. And it's, there's so many things about it that I never would have known or predicted um, mm, that so someone funny. probably could have told me, but just like everything, even if someone had told me, I still would have had to learn it the hard way, probably. So good. What is one thing you wish you were told by your father? Um, yeah, I'm, you know, it's, it's hard for me to think about my father and come up with something that he didn't do uh, for me um, or model for me. I mean, mm. he really, he really was a big, I think a big part of, of who I am just comes from who he, who he lived in the way he lived his life out in front of me, in front of all of us um, as kids. Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know that there's anything that I kind of wish he had told me or yeah. prepared me for or anything like that. Yeah. What is one thing you were told by your father that you use often? Well, be a, be a man of your word. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was always a big thing. And I was actually, I was kind of a liar when I was a teenager. So not kind of, I was yeah. a really good liar when I was a teenager. My, my entire life was sort of just a big cover up. I, there, you know, everything that I was doing, I had to cover it all up because I was a pastor's kid and, and didn't want to get in, didn't want my dad to get in trouble. Didn't want to be, have him have a bad reputation because of me. Yeah. So I just had, I, I was, I was layering lie upon lie just to keep the whole yeah. thing, the whole thing going. And, um, and he, I remember a really distinct encounter where, you know, I'd been caught in a pretty big lie mm -hmm. and he just, he just sat me down and just, and just said, you know, if, if you, if you're not a man of your word, no one will ever trust you. You'll never have people in your life who can trust you. And man, what, what would be worse than not being trusted by anyone? <laughs> that, that just sounds horrible to me. So uh, that's true for me. And that's something, I mean, it's, I, I got that from him. Uh, and he got it from his father too. That's, I didn't, I didn't know my grandfather. Uh, yeah. he, he passed away when I was just a baby, but but the but the one thing my dad always talks about is he was an honest man. Like he, you know, he yeah. uh, he was a man of his word, and so I, I want to be that too, and I want my girls to be that as well. I want them to understand how important that is. That if you want yeah. people to believe you and believe in you and um, trust you, then then you have to be trustworthy. Yeah, mm, so good. But it's one thing you want to tell other fathers. Um, I think it's John Mayer who said, fathers, be good to your daughters <laughs> for daughters will love like you do. Um, girls become lovers and turn into mothers. So mothers be good to your daughters too. I think, I don't really like John Mayer at all, but that, <laughs> that particular chorus to that particular song is, is so good and solid. Like, um, especially fathers of daughters they well it doesn't matter sons too like they are they will learn everything they understand about being a man your sons uh, will learn everything that they understand about being a man from you from your from what you model not what you tell them but what you model for them and the same thing is true for your daughters they'll understand everything that they um, will look for in a man based on what you uh, model in front of them it doesn't mean they'll end up with that exact person or whatever, but um, but they will. That will be the measuring stick for your children: is what kind of a man you you were in the way you lived, not just in the way yeah. you talked, mm. not just in the rules that you set up, but in the way you lived your life uh, in front of them. Uh, and I would say, especially when things are difficult, um, yeah. it's easy to be a good dad when everything's fine. Um, mm it's it's also it's also easy to be a bad dad when everything goes south and mm -hmm. i think that's when you have to that's when dads really need to step up and step yeah. into their role what do you tell your kids often i love you no matter what mm -hmm. that's a phrase yeah. that i repeat to them because and I used to say this in youth ministry when i would look for volunteer leaders in our youth ministry i would say to them listen don't 
you know, I, I would, I would actually interview, we had a whole like application process and everything yeah. just to be a volunteer in our ministry. And I just, one of the main questions I would ask them is, do you love teenagers? Because I guarantee you, you will not always like them. <laughs> That's a guarantee. So if you don't love them at the moments when you don't like them, um, that's a problem. And um, and there are moments, right? There are moments in every parent's journey with their own children where I don't like you right now. Like, I don't like the way you're acting. I don't like the way you're treating me. I don't like the way you're treating yourself. I, you know, I just don't like any of that. But I love you no matter what. And so my girls, they, they hear that one from me pretty regularly. What do you think needs to be talked about more as it pertains to fatherhood? Um, I, think, uh, I, I think I touched on it earlier, but I think the idea that fathers um, are nurturers, that needs to be talked mm -hmm. about more. That like yeah. children need their dads to be nurturing. Yeah. And if the if the default in a family is that dad does the punishing and mom does the nurturing, that shapes a child. Yeah. And I don't I don't mean like I don't mean like you want your children to grow up without any discipline <laughs> or grow up thinking that dad's a wimp or something like that. I, yeah. I just think that God is a God is a nurturing God. Yeah, I mean, really if there's a model, if there's a model for a father, it's our heavenly father, right? Yeah. And he's a nurturing God. He's also uh, a, a God of judgment. He's also yeah. a, a God of righteousness, mm -hmm. but he's a God uh, who, you know, loves the world so much that he would mm -hmm. completely give up himself. He would give up his, uh, you know, his own son. Like that's how much he loves the world. This is a this is a model for us. That's a, um, that's something that I think, I think our society maybe at some point, and I'm, I don't want to get into the whole history of everything, but yeah. at some point men had to be hard and difficult mm -hmm. and, yeah. um, you know, always strong and never show softness and never show weakness. And I've, I've cried with both of my daughters individually, yeah. uh, in the last month, in the last two weeks. And that's good. That's not bad. It's not bad for them. When my heart's broken for them um, or mm -hmm. for someone else, um, for them to see that and know that, that's that's yeah. huge and important. So I think there's something there about the fact that fathers can be um, tender without being like, you know, a wimp. <laughs> yeah, mm, that's so good. In fact, I would say fathers must be tender. They must be tender yeah. at some point. So good, so good. Do you think there's a lack of fathers and why? Um, I mean, I guess statistically speaking, there are, um, it's a hard question to answer because um, what does it mean there are a lack of fathers? You know, in some, in some communities, um, like in, in the inner city, there are definitely a lack of fathers in the home, right? There's yeah. not, there's lots of fathers there, but they're not usually, they're not always in the home. Um, and where we work around the world in extreme poverty, uh, often the kids that we work with around the world, they're, they're being raised by a mom um, yeah. who has, you know, who has a, a full-time job sometimes two or three full-time jobs mm -hmm. or they're being raised by grandparents right they're, they're mm -hmm. their parents are completely gone so um so yeah there's definitely a lack of fathers in homes and i don't know what the percentages would be and it would change from one one culture to another it would change from yeah. one neighborhood to another but um there's definitely that but i think there's a lack of um maybe for a for a lack of a better way to say it, there's a lack of daddies. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, everyone has a father, but not everybody has a daddy. And yeah. um, mm -hmm. I think, I think um, a lot of, a lot of things that we see with stunted development in, in yeah. young people, young men, especially, I think comes from the fact that there's no daddy in their life. They, mm -hmm. they never had a daddy. They just, they just had, you know, a father who, yeah maybe was there maybe wasn't there mm. so good what is your hope for your future as a father and what is your hope for your kids yeah the big hope for me is uh i sometimes i think i said earlier is um 
that I would continue to release them to be the people that God has created them to be uh, yeah. and that that we as parents nurtured them to be and um, allow them to uh, be independent and live live as individuals and uh, that's my that's my dream for them is that they would feel like they can make it in this world and they you know I'm always going to be here but uh, but they can make it in this world and they can do it on their mm -hmm. own and they don't have to have some prince charming come in and rescue them because they are able to do it on their own I want them to have a prince charming but those don't exist I guess <laughs> <laughs> they're they're few and far <laughs> yeah yeah so my goal for myself is is to uh is to be able to continue to release them and and be and feel good about that and be strong in that and faithful in that and then for them is just that they would they would be uh strong independent women who yeah. uh you know who get to see some of their dreams come true do you think this generation of fathers have things harder or easier than you have them? Do you, uh, by this generation, you mean fathers who are becoming fathers right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's tough right now in many ways to be a yeah. father. Um, not because you can't do a good job as a father. It's, it's because, um, well, one of the things is there's just so much competition for your children's attention. And yeah. I think it would be easy for fathers to um, abdicate their their responsibilities because their kids aren't asking for things from them as much as mm -hmm. kids used to, or, or or maybe don't have the perceived need from yeah. from their father. Like you know, I think yeah. I think back to when kids learned kind of everything from their dad. You know, they learned yeah. like I'm thinking about kids who learned how to throw a baseball or uh, learned how to ride a bike or learned how to There's fix a tiger. car. Yeah, that kind of stuff. They, they learned a, a lot of kids learn things from their dads. And now, you know, they learn stuff on YouTube, <laughs> which I'm not blaming them. <laughs> like it's pretty easy. Like there's a way to learn stuff. So uh, I, yeah, I would, I would be concerned for dads coming up now that it would be easy yeah. for them to just sit back and let their kids sort of educate themselves. I think mm -hmm. staying engaged is, is really important and really hard, both of those things. So. Yeah. What is something you have to say to this generation of men and fathers? Yeah, well, yeah, I don't want to quote John Mayer again, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, I think, I think career for many years, career for many men, I should say it this way, maybe for, for a lot of people, career defines you. Mm. And in the end, if your career is the only thing that defined you, um, that'll be a pretty sad existence, uh, because, if God gives you children, that's a legacy. And, yeah. you know, the best you can hope for with a career is that maybe, maybe someday you're, you pass it on to your son and that becomes part mm -hmm. of a legacy as well. But, but if it's just about putting money in the bank and having a good retirement mm -hmm. fund or whatever, um, that's not legacy. Uh, and the, your children, um, I really believe in generations, in the generational development, yeah. and what what this generation pours into the next generation will have a huge impact on what that generation pours into the yeah. following generation. Mm -hmm. And I really, I really believe that that's our responsibility. And and I do think that men need to take the lead in that. They cannot sit back passively and mm -hmm. say, "Man, I hope somebody really invests in my kids." Uh, they have to take the lead. They have to be, we men have to be the ones who uh, step up and say, I will, <laughs> I will lead my children. I will lead my family and, yeah. um, and I'll be faithful in it. So, yeah. Oh, so good. And last question, 
what is something you have to say to this generation of women and mothers? I, um, wow. It's <laughs> a, that's a tough one too for me. So it's a tough one to answer as a single dad. Um, I can say this, uh, your marriage, your marriage matters to your children. Mm, Jesus, so good. They, they will learn what they learn about being a woman, your daughters, and about being a man, um, your sons. They will, they will learn what they learn about those things by watching you and your relationship with their mm-hmm. father. And, um, and so this is a, this is maybe controversial. I don't think it should be, but it might be controversial, but, um, I believe that the pri the primary relationship in a family is the marriage. It's not yeah. the, it's not the p- parenting. It's not the father to child. It's not the mother to child. It's the husband to wife, the wife to husband. That's yeah. the primary relationship. That's there's a reason that the church is called the bride of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a, if that, I mean, we're also called adopted children. So I guess, I guess you could look at it that way, but <laughs> there's a reason that the church is called the bride of Christ. And that's because that, that is a, the marriage is a relationship that is a model for, um, for our relationship with our God. And if mm, we, Jesus. if we screw up, if we screw up marriage in front of our children, and this is hard for me to say, but if we screw up marriage in front of our children, it's going to be harder for them to see what a healthy relationship with God looks like. That's what I think. And again, that may be controversial. Maybe people would really strongly disagree with it. But I think the primary uh, relationship in a family is the marriage. And out of good marriages comes good parenting. Yeah, mm, so good. But 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 good parenting might not lead to good marriages, and that's really important. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good! So much wisdom. Thank you so much for being on here. It was an absolute blast. Yeah, it was fun. I appreciate you inviting me on. Oh, no problem. Well, guys, with that, that concludes the end of this episode. Make sure you go to the website, the Patreon, like, follow, share. If this blessed you in any way, do not keep your mouth closed. Share this with someone and take this and go change your life, the community, and the world. And with that, we say bye, pioneers. Bye, beautiful people.